That passage picks up just about where we left off last Sunday in the Gospel of Mark. It's Mark 12, 38 to 44. It's cited in the bulletin as always. You can get it on our social media. The goal here is to open up this passage even every day this week and to just enter into it. It's an absolutely understandable passage. There are, there's a group of people and there's an individual on whom Jesus focuses in that passage. If you and I do the same thing, if we focus on these people the way Jesus invites us, we can be sure that we're cooperating with him in the week ahead. So we're in the point of the gospel where Jesus of Mark, where Jesus has entered into Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, he's ultimately going to enter into his passion, death, and resurrection through which he ultimately brings salvation into this world. So it's an extremely intense, the most intense time of Jesus's public ministry. In the passage, one group of people Jesus denounces, really serious, and the one person to whom he brings individual attention, he lifts up for very high praise. If you and I can take this seriously this week, again, I think we can know we're cooperating with him. So first, the denunciation. Jesus in this passage denounces certain scribes. Scribes are experts in the Jewish law in Jesus's time and place. They're expert in terms of they know the law, or they should know the law, God's law. They help explain it to people in an authoritative way. They should be the experts that people can depend on, that this is really what God's law is meant to be. And there are also people who work with God's law, as in if you're drawing up a contract as a faithful Jewish person, you would go to a scribe potentially to be sure that the contract is done appropriately. These should be trusted, really good leaders. Jesus often criticizes the scribes, but he certainly doesn't condemn all scribes. Remember last week, we heard about the scribe who hears, processes, and grows in Jesus's double love commandment. So right before this, he has praised a scribe for being not far from the kingdom of God. In this case, Jesus draws his disciples' attention to certain scribes who go around in long robes, watch out, go around in public in long robes in order to draw attention to themselves. And they like getting greeted and put in the marketplace and put in places of honor in the synagogues and at banquets. Just like priests and sisters wear uh, garb to identify themselves in public, the idea is supposed to be that these scribes are out there identifiable to help people with God. They're supposed to be attracting people to God, and if they do good things, those good things are supposed to draw people's attention to God. They're doing the opposite. It's really pretty sick. They're using their religious status to try to draw attention to themselves so that they can feel important, that they can feel like big deals. Really wacko. But it gets more disturbing. Jesus goes on to say that these particular scribes devour the houses of widows. We'll get to widows in a minute. Widows are a particularly vulnerable group of people in ancient Judaism. These scribes somehow, by getting attention to themselves and also by being outwardly pious people, get in with widows and they take advantage of them to somehow take their money. Devouring the houses of widows means taking the resources of the widows while reciting lengthy prayers as a pretext. So this is really disgusting. I mean, deeply, deeply disgusting. 
people who are explicitly using prayer and their position to get in and rip off widows. Does this matter? Jesus, the Son of God, who is the only judge of every single human being, says they will receive a very severe condemnation. This is their judge. He's not kidding, obviously. These people will receive a very severe condemnation because they're knowingly being so profoundly evil. So I invite you to try to enter into that this week. I think, thank God, even though Deacon Julio is pretty evil and wearing a long robe, I hope that we don't have many people in our time and place who are behaving that way. Obviously, we know that, unfortunately, there are religious leaders who do things like that. And so without watering down the specificity of that denunciation, on the base level, I hope a lot of us can relate to this. I hope we can relate to hypocrisy. I hope we can relate to using other people. I mean, we live in Ripoff City in Lawrence. I hope we can relate to how we unfairly, knowingly take advantage of one another in this community. I hope you can relate. I hope you can because it takes place all over the place in this community. How the most vulnerable people are very often the targets of the most evil people. So if you can be honest about that this week, and if I can be honest about it, if I can recognize myself in that denunciation, I really do believe Jesus is my eternal judge and my judge right now. And I hope I'll change as a result of having that so clarified by him. So that's the denunciation. The second part is Jesus's lifting up for attention and praise a particular woman. She's a poor widow. So widows, in ancient Israel, Widows are particularly vulnerable because they have no inheritance rights. If a woman's husband dies, the woman has no inheritance rights. The inheritance goes from father to son. So if a woman is widowed, she can potentially have an arranged leveret marriage where the husband's brother marries her in order to continue the name. Or if she's the daughter of a priest, a Jewish priest, she can return to her father's household. But most widows have to rely upon their children and upon, their, upon charity for daily sustenance. That's why in the Old Testament, we heard it this morning in Psalm 146, very often the Old Testament says that God is the ultimate defender of widows and orphans because they don't have any legal defenders. The Old Testament prophets frequently cry out against the exploitation of widows because they are commonly exploited. And again, we just heard Jesus identifying religious leaders who are devouring the houses of widows. So a poor widow comes into the treasury at the temple in Jerusalem. This all takes place because Jesus is at the temple in Jerusalem with his disciples. The temple treasury is an area where the Mishnah tells us later, there are 13 trumpet-shaped chests, collection boxes, for various things to be done for God in the temple. So there is a trumpet-shaped collection chest for the annual temple tax, a really good thing. People put in their money in order to keep up the temple, God's house. There is a trumpet-shaped chest for the collection of money for bird offerings. Remember Mary and Joseph, Luke 2, after the birth of Jesus, they go to the temple and they offer that offering. They put the money into that in order to have the bird sacrificed 
praising God and thanking God for the birth of their son. So all good things. Because the coins are copper, when they're put into these trumpet-shaped collection things, it reverberates and a noise is made. If you put in a little, a few coins, it's going to make a small noise. If you dump in a huge amount of coins, it's going to make a bigger sound. So when you put in your collections, the sound draws attention to the gift as well as to the giver. You with me? You with me? So Jesus sits down in front of the treasury, and he observes the crowds of people there. Many rich people come, and they put in a lot of money, which a lot of coins, which makes a lot of noise. There's nothing bad about that at all. Rich people, I think you remember, in our Jewish heritage, are responsible for giving from their abundance in order to help people who are in need. Rich people are supposed to be benefactors of people in need. So rich people put in a lot of coins. Then along comes an economically poor widow. The poor widow has two, the word in Greek is lepra. They're the smallest denomination coins in circulation. Mark explains they're worth just a few cents. She has two lepra. All right, kids, here we go. She's got three choices of how many she can put in. What's her first option? Oh, we are booming on the MCAS around here. She's got three, two coins, three options. What's the first? Zero. Very good. The first option is zero. And we find out from Jesus, this is all she's got for her livelihood, at least today. Zero. What's the next option? Oh, well, between zero and that. That was correct, by the way. What's the next option? One. It's like a revival all of a sudden. One. She has two. I mean, that seems kind of reasonable. You guys have been here giving offertory gifts, right? I mean, I give this to God, I give this to me. Or she can give what you said. She can give two. She makes a choice. She makes the choice then and there, clearly because she believes that what she is doing is a work for God, in God. She gives both coins. Jesus observes this, and then he calls his disciples together. That means it's going to be an important teaching. He says, amen, I say to you, his preface often for an important teaching. This poor widow put in more than all the other contributors to the treasury because they gave from their surplus wealth. Your surplus wealth, there is no sacrifice involved in that. doesn't mean it's bad, but there's no sacrifice She, in her poverty, gave everything she had, her entire livelihood. She put in more. She gave more. She gave more generously. She gave more sacrificially. She gave in love. She gave from love of God and love of God's community. She gave more. That's the teaching. She put in more. Just to be sure we're clear here, does Jesus teach that everyone is supposed to go sell everything they have, put it into the treasury, and go live on the train tracks? Of course not. The trains wouldn't work, by the way. Of course he never does that. Is there any implication here that this woman is supposed to do harm to herself? Of course not. She's supposed to love herself. 
Is there any implication here that this woman goes out and starves to death as a result of this? Absolutely not. The point which a lot of us who are cheap in our love want to avoid is that this woman is an intelligent human being. She is moved by love of God and she sacrifices all she has right there because she loves God and she's putting love into practice. I tell you, a lot of us when we hear this passage, we demean this woman we ha unintentionally. We have in our minds some little old lady who comes in and she's pathetic and she puts in her little coins. There are a lot of women like this in this community. They are not little old ladies. They actually tend to be quite in your face. They're very intelligent. They know what they're doing and they love God. They make the choice to give everything right now to do God's work. Why does this matter? It matters because the Son of God holds her up for attention. It matters because the way this will unfold is only if you take the teaching as it is, she puts in more, and allow yourself to enter into it. This week, all of us are going to be given many opportunities to sacrifice, it's not mostly about money, our time, our talent, and our treasure to put God's teaching into practice. Very often, it, we're aware of our poverty. I don't have a lot of patience right now. I don't have a lot of energy right now. I don't have a lot of hope right now. I don't have a lot of enthusiasm right now. I don't have a lot of creativity right now. I don't have a lot of money right now. And I hear in my marriage, in my family, in this city, I know that Jesus teaches to give in this way or to give in that way. It's at that moment, particularly when I'm aware of my poverty, it's in that moment where I can choose to love, to actually do it, to sacrifice everything I've got right now in this very small way that I enter into love and love begins to breathe through me and my limitations, my cheapness, my selfishness, my sinfulness begin to be transformed and the world begins to be transformed through me. That widow is so important because she's living love. And Jesus says she's putting in more. He's inviting us to put in more so that he can grow through those choices, so he can grow in this world. To state the obvious, when we put in the most, the most change takes place not just in us, but in this world. That's how the kingdom of God really grows. So I invite you to take that this week. If you're really old, if you're really young, everybody can get that. The question is, what are we going to do with it? And a final note, if you are giving in terms of time, talent, and treasure at this point in your life, mostly through your surplus, don't go jump off a bridge, but please consider what would be your poverty and try it this week. Just the results could be amazing. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.